All right. Well, once again, <clears throat> Prince of the Power of the Air has won a battle. Uh, somebody hacked the website. Uh, if you're watching a recording or have figured out another way to get there through faithlife.com, uh, if you're already there, you don't need to know that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that's what has happened, and that's why it might not you might not be able to find it or you're getting forbidden 403 or something like that on your uh, screen. So we're going to go ahead and do this, get it recorded, at least have a podcast available, which uh, uh, hopefully we'll have it all figured out by next time. So today, I appreciate those of you who came, uh, really do, <clears throat> and overcame the... Uh, uh, inclement weather conditions. Um, I know the Kennedys just got back from Minnesota and they said they came back home to warm up. So it was a minus 25 up there last I saw. Uh, plenty, plenty cold. But um, this morning we are going to continue our study of the Christian life in the last days. Uh, but really it's for any day. It's just in what is known as the last day, the, there's more of a sense of urgency. To get these things done, to seek to have that self-control that's part of the fruit of the Spirit, seek to overcome uh, the issues that we have. And uh, we've looked at, first of all, we looked at the Revelation. That was the Olivet Discourse. Then we just got through with uh, the rich of the last days. That's James chapter 5. And now the group we're looking at is the rebellious of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, all these passages are identified as last day's passages. That's why we're going to take a look at them. The next thing we'll look at is rewards, 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to see the results of the last days, what's eventually going to happen. And then we're going to have a reminder. That is the little book of Jude. That's always a lot of fun to do because it's a Bible walkthrough, and it is designed to keep us on our toes either for early part of the church looking for the last days or in the last part of the church age living in the last days and that's where we are right now so before we begin let's just take a moment for prayer to get ourselves ready to study the word of God let us pray Father, we are so thankful and blessed and honored to be able to come together today. Father, we come together by many different means now, but Father, it's just as important that we assemble together and we focus upon your word. So Father, I pray that we would take this time today, that it would be edifying to all of us. I pray that we would be uh, just blessed by being able to look into your word again. We pray we would be able to understand these things and be able to live them in our own lives as witnesses for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and the first verse. That's where we're going to start looking. This is specific applications for the last days. Uh, and again, they'll apply at any time. But what this uh, particular paragraph is about is the fight against the facades of the faith. Things that look real, and they're going to look real in the last days, but they're, they're not real. It's all about having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. One of the things that we're going to do is take a look at the 
what these words actually mean in the original Greek language. Because as we know today, things have been twisted and turned around. Words have been redefined. Things that meant one thing to us when we were in high school have totally different meanings. In some cases, opposite meanings. So if we're studying the uh, the word of the living God, we want to know exactly what he wants us to know. We're studying, looking for the author's intent. And these words have some some beautiful definitions to them. And we're supposed to stay with those definitions, not twist them around. When you start twisting around the meaning of words in the Bible, it's called iniquity. And that's what the Sadducees and Pharisees and a lot of moderns of the same uh, do today. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> in verse 1, or this outline of Timothy, first of all, is real easy. Endure present testing. That was the admonition to the young pastor in Ephesus named Timothy. Endure the present testing. And then the second part of this four-chapter book is prepare for future testing. What do you have coming? Because they weren't in the last days. Now, chapter 3, again, is the fight against the facades of the faith and the form of godliness. Now, the first verse basically says, but realize. This uh, word realize is gnosko. It's a word that means to know it. It's an imperative. It's a present tense that says keep on doing it. It's an active. It says you've got to input into this thing. You have to want to know what all is going on. And know is a, is a knowledge. It's a general knowledge of things that, that are happening. And so you want to, to know. And it says you need to know this. You need to have the basic knowledge to do this. Know this, that in the last days... now. See the the in the most translations that are there? It's not in the Greek. It's missing this particular word. And it says basically, in last days. So for someone that reads through the original languages, they go, why is that definite article missing? Why is it not there? And that's what we're going to analyze to start with this morning. Now, the word eschatos is the word for last and the word Himera for day is also in there. So in last days, uh, eschatos is used 52 times. We get the study of systematic theology called eschatology from this very word, the study of in things or last things. And this is focusing, eschatos focuses on the end of a dispensation or an era. So in our generation, it would include both the rapture and the second advent in last days. There are things that are going to start happening in the church age. So it's the last days of the church, but they bleed over right away into the tribulation. So it's last days for that group of people uh, one way or another. So it says in last days. It's a beautiful way to uh, uh, put it together uh, because we've seen that the rapture happens, the tribulation starts seven years later, the second advent occurs, and that the promise actually is that the that all these things would take place before the Lord's return within that generation. And he's talking about second advent, when the abomination of desolation set up in the middle of the trib and, and all of that. So he says, know this, in last days, difficult times will come. 
Now the word difficult is um, kind of a difficult translation because this is a word, kalatos is the word. It's only used twice. Matthew 8:28 is the other place that it's used. And it speaks about the nature of two men who were demon-possessed. Now, they weren't difficult people. They were, but they were dangerous people. And in Matthew 8:28, they translate the word violent. So it indicates that in last days, uh, perilous times or dangerous times, and the word for times is not chronos, indicating sequence of events, it's kairos, indicating a season. It is going to be a season, and seasons are noted by certain events, like right now it's the winter season, so we have a little bit of snow on the ground outside, so it's, that's the season, and that season will go on for about three months, and then we'll move into another season. And so it says that in last days, perilous seasons will come. Now, first of all, remember that Jesus is the first and the last. Okay, He'll, he is the first and the last. And Revelation 1.17 says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. This is John, seeing the Lord, getting a vision of the Lord. And he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. He is the first and the last. And the living one. And I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Now in Revelation 22.1, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So in what sense does this idea of last come into play? There's clearly a last day when resurrection shall occur. In John chapter 6, John 6:39. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that have given me I lose nothing, but I raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Now, for the age of Israel believers, that's going to be the second advent. For the church age believers, that's going to be the rapture. So that last day is actually in two parts, much like the first resurrection is in four parts. So it's not, a, not an exegetical problem to, to see that. John 6.1, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. John 6.54, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So this term last has got a very uh, close connection to the issue of resurrection. So the term last days, excuse me. <coughs> wow, thank you for the gesundheit. <laughs> the term last days here seems to indicate a time when Jesus is last in the lives of men because eschatos is used to refer to many different time frames. When does he reach a stage of being last in the lives of men? Heard a report uh, last day, yesterday on the news. January 1st, it's good that everybody knows that 29% of the people in the United States right now have no religious preference. 
None at all. They don't. They don't care about any religion whatsoever. That's basically that's humanism is what that, what that is. And they say the biggest group of people is among the millennials. That's the biggest group of people that have turned aside and rejected uh, Christianity primarily. Now there are signs that Jesus is no longer considered real by the bulk of the populace. What are the signs of the last days? What are the markers? What are the characteristics? We just got through with James chapter 5 which says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, your garments have become moth-eaten, your gold and your silver have rusted, and their rust will be a witness against you and consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days that you've stored up your treasure. Okay, So here is a, the warning, what we just covered about the rich of the last days. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3 says, Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust, saying, Where is the promise of his coming? Have you noticed that today? People are, well, he's not coming back. He'll come back in the hearts and souls of men. He's not going to come back physically in the clouds. They've started denying the rapture. They're denying the pre-trib rapture. People have started uh, turning away from that and becoming amils or have becoming post-mills or they're becoming, uh, you know, no rapture whatsoever, kingdom now type of people. And he says, ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues as it was since the beginning of creation. That's what Peter writes. So he's basically saying that people have turned away from the Lord. These are mockers who have turned away from the supernatural aspect of who God is, and they become evolutionists. All continues as it was since the beginning of creation. That's uniformitarianism, evolutionary thought. Jude 1, verse 17 it says, And you, beloved, ought to remember the words spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They were saying to you, In the last days, there will be, at the last time, there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lust. These are the ones who cause divisions. Have you, have you ever seen a world as divided as it is right now? Have you ever seen our country as divided as it is right now? I, I've not. And I, I'm like a lot of you, I've been around a while, and, and it's amazing to even think of. And he says, these are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. So if somebody just wants to sit down on their sofa and say, let the world pass me by till Jesus comes, <clears throat> that's not really a good attitude. We have a tremendous opportunity in, in this uh, dispensation we find ourselves in. The result is going to be perilous seasons. That's what the verse says. As when demons are in control. Huh. Where, did, where would that point come from? Matthew 8:28. When he came to the other side of the country of the Gadarenes, 
Two men who were demon-possessed met him as they were coming out of the tombs. They were so extremely violent. Kalatos, that's our word. They were so dangerous. See, not just difficult. (laughs) Difficult people you can be around. Dangerous people, uh, that's a problem. And they're so extremely dangerous, no one could pass by that way. So what that word is used to describe is a time that much like that demonic activity is alive and well on planet Earth. That's, that's pretty well what that word is looking at and being used in our passage. In 2 Timothy 3.1, it's saying that there's going to be a lot of demonic activity. It's interesting that you go that way. When you go to India and it's so obvious uh, that it's demonic. Everywhere you look is an idol. Uh, people worshiping idols. Um, it's ridiculous. And you come here and you see some of the assemblies that have come together. And I'm not talking about January 6th. But you, you see some of the assemblies that come together that are just mobs carrying communist flags, running up and down the streets, killing people, setting cars on fire, everything else. And, and they're open atheist communists. That's who they are. Yeah, and what happens when you reject God? You open yourself up for demon possession and certainly demon influence. Now, I can't look at individuals and say that, but I can say that it's probably going on and to a much greater degree than it has been in our country ever. We look at the crime statistics. Some people say crime is down. Well, if you don't charge people with a crime, it's not counted in the statistics. So you can say that your, your uh, crime is down, but it's not really down. It's just not being counted, not being prosecuted, not being, not being uh, cared for. And police officers today need our prayers all the time. They've got one of the roughest jobs on the planet. And I commend any of them that have stayed, that have stayed with the police department during these times. Uh, are there some bad apples in the police department? Sure. There are bad apples in any profession that you that you want to find, but the police departments are usually pretty good finding those and getting rid of them because the good cops don't want to mess with the, the bad cops. It's just not, not who they are. The principle is recognize the significance of the time in which we live. And you think about, gosh, I wish I didn't live in these last times because it's so dangerous and all that. You know, there's no better time to be alive than right now. <clears throat> no better time to be alive. Some people say, well, Drew's not encouraging because he's bringing bad news. Well, I, I hope to be encouraging because one of these days we're going to be with the Lord. And it looks like it's soon, and I'm bringing God's Word, and that always encourages encourages me. But there's no better time to be alive right now. Think about if you were, if you were living a couple of hundred years ago. Uh, no Israel back in the land, no nothing, you know, none of these last days uh, entities coming together. Uh, there's not 200 million people in a, in a Chinese army. I mean, there's all of that. And you're looking at that and going, I know one day it's going to happen. One day it's going to happen. One day Israel's going to come back in the land. And we're born into a time that Israel's back in the land. The entities are all put together. They're lined up. 
Russia's getting ready to invade Ukraine, China to invade Taiwan. I mean, look at everything going on, wars and rumors of wars. Okay, There's always been wars and rumors of wars, but not to the degree that it was in the 20th century. There are more wars in the 20th century than all of recorded history put together. And people say, how can you say that? Simple facts and statistics. When you look for them, one of the things everybody recorded was the wars they fought. So we know how many wars there were. We can go back in the Sumerian history and know who went to battle with who. Okay? It's recorded because people always recorded that. It's part of our time chronological tags that we're able to link ancient history together. Then you look at the 20th century. How many wars are going on right now? <clears throat> oh gosh, I don't think any wars are going on. You got your head in the sand if you don't think any wars are going on. There are wars going on between Muslims and Hindus right on the border of Pakistan and India. That's just one place. And you can go on and on and on. And it's uh, they're all over there. Look at Africa. Tribes are still warring over there in Africa. They haven't stopped warring over there in Africa. So, <clears throat> you know what's great about this point in time? <clears throat> What if you're in a uh, <coughs> marathon race, 26.2 miles? You might see me driving along beside the runners, but you're not going to find me with the runners out there. But if you're in a marathon race and you hit about mile 10, boy, that's I still only got 16 miles left to go. And then you hit mile 13, I'm halfway there. And then at mile 20, I've only got six more miles left to go. You know what the greatest time is when you can see the finish line. And now we can see the finish line. And to me, that's one of the most exciting times to be alive in all of history. Now, in verse 2, we're going to start. <clears throat> there are going to be 20 characteristics we're going to find here. Last time I taught it, I had 19, but that's because I counted two of these things as one, and this time I think it, they needed to be separated. But this is um, 20 characteristics of the last days. 20 characteristics. Interesting, the words that are used here. The first thing we're going to do is I'm going to go through the verses and basically give you an outline, and then we'll, we'll list all of these 20 things. Uh, last time I taught this, a long time ago in a galaxy far away, it was, uh, uh, I said, how about putting this on your refrigerator? And uh, Joanna Riley brought me a little card laminated and all that, and it's got all these things listed, and it's on our refrigerator to remind us that there's things that we shouldn't be in the last days. They're not the right kind of witness. But what things is it actually talking about? Now, <clears throat> it says men will be lovers of self. This is the word philatos, which is the only place it's used in the New Testament. It means, uh, basically, it's a, it's a narcissist. Lovers of self. And if we look at what's going on around the world, people have become so self-centered. If you're not God-centered in your life, you become self-centered. You, you run out of options. And it says they'll be lovers of self, lovers of money. This is the word philagoras. It's only used twice. So look what Paul's doing here. 
He's pulling some special words out, not used a lot back then, even though they knew what they were, what they meant. But he's pulling some special words out that goes with the last days, because things have changed when the last days come along. This is uh, uh, only used twice. Luke 16:14. It describes the uh, Pharisees. They were lovers of money. These are the people that uh, told the told the people how much they loved them and all they did was steal from them. They were hypocrites and the Lord called them out. He had stronger words for those pseudo-religious people who held to a, guess what, a form of godliness. When we get to verse 5, we're going to see holding to a form of godliness. And if you got a picture of a Pharisee, you got a pretty good picture of what he's talking about. They're, they're, they're people that have infiltrated the church. They're the wolves that Paul warned about in Acts chapter 20. They are, <clears throat> they are uh, there. And he says, they'll be lovers of self, lovers of money. And we know the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil from 1 Timothy 6.10. He says, boastful. This is an interesting word, a lot zone. It's only used twice. There is Romans 130. It is a person who wanders around the country. It's a vagabond or an imposter. He wanders around with a with a false face on. He is hypocritical, but one of the things he does wandering around is utter empty boast. So that's where they get the word boastful from, that translation. So they're wandering around, they're arrogant people, run around the country, and all they do is open open up their mouth with a very empty boast, and they present themselves as experts. That sound familiar? Do we have anybody that does Now you can wander around the country and never leave the recording studio. It's amazing how that, how that works. And then it says arrogant. That's the fourth one. Huperiphanos is an interesting word. It's used five times. Here are the passages that it's that it's used. I think you have them in your notes. Luke, Luke 151, Romans 130. Uh, and it's phanos uh, is to manifest. Huper is over. Huper aphanos. Huper epiphany. To manifest yourself is over someone. It is a haughtiness. It is a preeminence. That's where the word arrogance comes from. And people think they're smarter than anybody else. So whenever, what does this do for us as Christians? Should we run around like know-it-alls? Not hardly. We should, uh, we should engage people that we're seeking. We're still seeking truth. We're still, still looking. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, that great philosopher, the quarterback, Somebody got on him about this vaccine thing, and he just came out and said, if you can't question it, it's not science. I thought, wow, science is to be questioned. That's how they find stuff. But if you can't question it, then it's not real science, is it? Profound statement, I think. Then he says revilers. Revilers, that's the English, and it is the word blasphemos. Used four times, and it means to speak against God. They're blasphemers. So I don't know why they didn't translate it as 
blasphemers, but that's what they do. It's the lie about God. That's what blasphemy is. And some of the comments made by late-night people, uh, I don't watch those late-night people, but some of them get brought up on other stations and stuff. Some of the comments they make about God and poking fun at Christians and stupid people who believe that there is a God and things like that, what are they doing? They're blaspheming. To lie about God is blasphemy. It says disobedient to parents. Apathes is the word and basically means uh, not persuaded. And they're unwilling to be persuaded by parents. This word's used six times, literally unwilling to be persuaded. That means that uh, in the last days, there'll be times when parents have done their job. They have trained them as best that they can possibly train them. And then it reaches a time in the last days, and you can just you can infer some things from this without a lot of uh, effort to do that. Somebody's got a hold of the kids and started the training, other than the parents. So the parents have one set of standards, the kids have another set of standards, and they are going to do what they are going to do. Disobedient to, to parents. Then they have ungrateful. This is the word acharistos. Charis is the word for grace. The A means there is no grace. It's only used two times. And it says literally without grace. These are people who uh, miss this Luke 6.35 and 36, which says love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men that's those without grace and evil men be merciful as your as your father is merciful there are people today without grace they stand in judgment of everybody else they don't want them to have any grace whatsoever but they want all the grace for themselves and he said that's the mark of the one of the marks the characteristics of the last days unholy Anasios is the word only two times. 1 Timothy 1.9 And Hasios is an interesting word uh, because people that study Greek, when they see the word holy, they look for hagios. That's the word, it's, that's uh, Greek 101 vocabulary word. Hagios is the word for holy, meaning set apart. Hasios is a word only used eight times. And it's quite interesting the way that it is used because Jesus is the only one ever that was Hasios to the exclusion of all others. And it's interesting where the word is used. It's used in he will not allow his holy one to undergo decay. It is a word of experiential holiness, not a word of simply being set apart. So this one says unholy, and that's why it's translated without experiential holiness they don't understand right and wrong anymore they have no no concept of virtue and character and honor and things that we are that we are called to do they have no no concept of that whatsoever without experiential holiness then we move into verse 3 and we get six more characteristics now see this list (laughs) And one of the things I, I think to look for here, is there anything we're not guilty of? Now, would we be guilty of this at any point in history? Possibly. 
but to what extent? And look at the saturation level. The saturation level of these problems that you find on all humanity. On all humanity. About the only people that don't get in, you say the only people that don't get involved in that are the ones that are that are out in the middle of nowhere in the villages and the sticks. And I can guarantee you they go through the same stuff just in a different form. They have different circumstances, life circumstances they find themselves in. But there will be those that are arrogant. There will be those that are boastful. There will be those that are uh, that all they can think about is money. There will be there will be those people no matter where you go on this planet. Now verse three says unloving. <clears throat> this is astorgas. It too used only two times, and this particular word is uh, <clears throat> the storgas group of words means without natural affection. This is the kind of affection that's being talked about of parents for their children and children for their parents. It is a natural affection. You put an A on the front of it, it means without that. And now you see more and more people, they they are so narcissistic that they don't care much about their kids. And their kids become narcissistic and don't care much about their parents. It's amazing the different things and the sadness that you see whenever they're members of the family just don't give a rip about about their parents. And if they pass, all they want to know is what what part do they get? What what is my what's left for me? What is my inheritance? Whenever they had no concern for mom or dad for during the difficult time of the of the end of their life, none at all. And then uh, they step up and want to know, uh, what's my part? How can I get the most? How can I how can I do things as cheaply as possible so I end up with the most money? Without natural affection, irreconcilable. That's a spandas. Only place it's used. Look at these look at these things. These are things that are kind of unique to this end, but they're only unique. In the form they take, they're they're something that is was commonly known to the the Timothy people that read read these passages. But <clears throat> this isn't the reason I translated this one without uh, commitment is to see how this word's put together because this word literally is without a libation. Now what's a libation, <laughs> and what's it for? You have to put it in its historical context because the word sponde from which it comes is a libation. And what it meant was whenever they made an agreement, they drank to it. They had a, a drink offering, if you will, tapped their glasses, whatever it was, or their their uh, mugs or whatever that. And it goes with, it means without a truce. That's how they would have understood it because that means that they wouldn't tap their glasses. They couldn't reach an agreement and they couldn't commit to the agreement. And so it's one that can't be persuaded to enter into a covenant is what this word aspondos is all about. You could translate it implacable, but that still kind of eludes us as far as uh, 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 definitions go. And these are people that won't make covenant commitments. 
They won't make commitments to anything and then be willing to keep them. And you, you find that with a lot of people that, that um, just don't want any kind of commitment at all. They don't want their names, don't want their names signed on anything. They don't want any responsibility that people can, can uh, track them down to. And then the next one, Diabolos, malicious gossips. That sounds something like the devil would be up to, doesn't it? Diabolical comes from that. And it is a word that basically means a slanderer. One that lies about other people. One that lies about other people. <clears throat> I find that it's interesting how some of the news media can, can lie without any remorse whatsoever. They are out to win the narrative battle at any and all cost. And that's just, uh, I mean, there's no honor in that. There's no character, no integrity. And one of the things that, that nations have looked to uh, all along is, when, is their press. And their press is supposed to carry the truth. They're supposed to report the truth. They're not supposed to slant the truth. But once the press found out how, they were, uh, how powerful they were, and then they developed a certain ideology, the next thing you know, they're starting to shape and form the narrative. Interesting article just came out in the Wall Street Journal a couple of days ago that absolutely blasted the mainstream media for the things that they reported incorrectly over the course of 2021. Just got totally wrong. Jesse Smollett being one of them. Uh, Rittenhouse, one of them. They got multiple things wrong, and where are the apologies? Don't see any. They don't care. They have no... Uh, honor about that and in fact we know there are multiple cases that they just lied and made it up as they went kind of interesting that Dan Rather that got fired for lying was accusing people of lying the other day come on guys without self control Akrates Akrates only used one time <laughs> it's Krates looks at a, at a physical power. It means without power, literally. But the power is used for self-control. That's why self-control is a good translation of it. And then it has the word brutal. Brutal is a namoros. Uh, used one time. See these words once again? I mean, you, you're going, okay, i got an idea about brutal and glossops and irreconcilable there doesn't mean that they're trying to reconcile commitments they're they're not making any commitments so <clears throat> it's not a reconciliation word and um, brutal is an interesting word because it means not tame namoros means tame a means not tame it's a it means uh, or savage the Epictetus, one of the ancient writers, described those who forget God as their creator, as resembling lions who are wild and savage and fierce. That's one of the places outside of the Bible that this word is used. So when it says brutal, this means savage. Look at the way that uh, society has uh, moved toward the more violent things. It's amazing what they 
what they try to cancel. Cancel culture tries to, to cancel, which is stuff that deal with God and the Almighty and good things like that. And then the next thing you know, they're, they're, um, they've got shows that are just absolutely brutal. It's not, you can't hardly describe them as anything else. And then it says, Hater, haters of good. This is another use one time. Aphilagathos. Agathos is the word for good. Philos is the word for friend. And A means you're not a friend of good. Not a lover of good. Brotherly love is what philos looks at. So without natural affection, without commitment, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, and not a lover of good. Then you find treacherous. Treacherous is predates, used three times. Luke 6.16, there it's, this word treacherous is used of Judas in Luke 6.16. So you get an idea of what, what this is. Uh, it's used in Acts 7.52, the other use of the religious leaders who betrayed Christ. The word treacherous here has more to do with being a traitor and betrayal, then it's got to do with being treacherous. I don't know where they came up with treacherous, but <clears throat> it doesn't prove true. Then you find reckless. This is propetes, used twice. Uh, <laughs> pra on the front of it means forward. Petes, falling forward, is literally what it means. Now the older we get, the more we have to be careful about falling forward. We don't want to do a face plant. It's not any good and does not bring about good results. And it's uh, used metaphorically to uh, signify rash or reckless or getting ahead of yourself and becoming unbalanced. So I rendered this word unbalanced because that's really what it is. We should, we should, our lives should, we should want lives of balance. Doesn't that make just good common sense? Things that are balanced in our life, not overdoing anything, not being addicted to anything. That's what we should be willing to do. These are um, uh, uh, reckless here, interesting uh, statement. The word conceited is tufao, and it's a perfect passive participle, so this is a perfect tense. So this is, uh, and the word means to wrap and smoke. You got to think about this one for a while. Uh, words used four times. To be wrapped in smoke, concealed with smoke. And these are referring to people who think they know something, but they really don't. And that's where the word conceited comes up. They, they think they can really see, but they're wrapped in smoke and they can't really see. But they're making statements and assertions about things they know nothing about. You know, when we go further on through uh, 2 Timothy 3, we're going to find a statement in there that says, ever learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. One of the summary statements of putting these 20 things together. We have the word uh, conceited. Lovers of pleasure is uh, philadenos. We get hedonism from this. Philos is a lover, a friend of. So it is a friend of, 
of hedonism is a better way to translate that. What is hedonism? It's the playboy mentality. The thing that Hugh Hefner spent years and years writing his playboy philosophy. And all it was was hedonism. Self-centeredness taken primarily into the realm of pleasure. What, what is the, how do you become addicted to pleasure? And he says, rather than, this is where I separated them, addicted to hedonism rather than lovers of God, this is philotheos, it too is used only once. Theos is God, philos is friend of, used in this combination only one, one time. And it sets up a very clear contrast. Rather than lovers of God. Lovers of hedonism rather than lovers of God. And verse 5 says, holding to a form of godliness. See, that puts it all together. The last one. Holding is the present participle of echo. means to just have a hold of. Common uh, Greek 101 vocabulary word right there. Holding to a form of morphosis. That word's only used twice. It's an outward resemblance of something. It's used in Romans 2.20 where, these, where Paul is writing to the Jews having in the law the form of knowledge and of truth. It's an embodiment is the way they translate it there. But <clears throat> holding to a form of godliness. Now godliness is eusebia. And eusebia looks more to the devotion end of it. It's a form of devotion that <clears throat> some people say they have. Holding to a form of godliness. <clears throat> although they have denied its power. Denied is our naomi, but it's a perfect tense. He said they have gone into a status in their mind where they basically have rejected God fully. They hold to the outside form, but they're not even sure God exists. And if you're not sure God exists, what do you think about His Word? What do you think about His Word? It's just the Word of man, isn't it? That's all that they, they would have to say about it. Although they've denied its dunamis, <laughs> its power. We get the word dynamite from it, from that. This power is the power that comes from God and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> they deny the power. What does it say? What's the, what's the admonition here? What's the imperative? It says avoid. Apo, trepo. Trepo is to turn apo from. Turn from and walk away. Apo means to go from the outside out. If you have a circle, you go from the outside of the circle out. And it says, turn from such men as these. Turn from such men as these. Now, <clears throat> this is uh, 20 descriptions that we find of... The last days. Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these things. Selected a beautiful array of words to get everybody's attention. He would take a commonly used word and put a negative in front of it. The A in front of it negates what follows. And he'd say it's the opposite of those things. Because if you look at those other things, oftentimes they are a picture of virtue. And he said, virtue has gone the other direction. 
excellence has gone the other direction. He writes to the Philippians and says, If there be virtue in anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. And in the last days, people just don't care. And that's what we are finding. This last one, this 20th one, is the facade of faith. They look good, but they are not good at all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, for your mercy and grace and love. We thank you for all your blessings and for all your tests. We thank you, Father, for letting us live in this day and time. Father, we do see the finish line. And Father, we are ready for it because we know that the author and finisher of the faith is standing there at the end waiting for us. Father, what a blessing that is to know that and to have that comfort in this particular time. We ask that you would continue to nourish our souls, that we might be able to impart good to others in your name. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.